Welcome to the Brew Crew Review Podcast, the show by fans for fans of your Milwaukee Brewers. Hello, Brewer fans, and welcome to the Brew Crew Review Podcast. Uh, my name's Craig, and joining me today is Scott. Scott, how are you doing? Uh, doing all right. Cyber Monday. May as well tape a podcast. <laughs> All right. Well, unfortunately, Vince and Chad weren't able to be with us this evening, but uh, there's lots of action here uh, going on in baseball. We're approaching the hospital season, and today also, besides Cyber Monday, was also the baseball non-tender deadline. So we got, we're going to talk about that coming up. But uh, before we get started, the Brewers last week made uh, one of the earliest trades of the offseason this year and also a nice good old-fashioned uh, trade with the San Diego Padres so we're going to start off by talking about that um, so uh, if your Brewer fans are not aware the Brewers did trade um, Trent Grisham their former first round draft pick uh, who had a breakout season last year in the minor leagues and also contributed to the Brewers all the way into uh, the playoffs um, also um, they included in the deal was uh, Zach Davies um, rotation member of the Brewers for a number of years. It was originally acquired um, from the, um, I think, uh, for her, Aldo Parra, was it? Um, anyway, yeah. they both got traded. And um, coming back to the Brewers um, is uh, shortstop second base prospect Luis Urias and also left-handed starting pitcher Eric Lauer. So, um, I guess start off, uh, Scott, I guess what's your initial take on the trade when you first heard of it? Um, well, it was definitely interesting. I would, I would be a lot more pumped about it if it, if it happened a year or two ago, maybe because, uh, Luis Urias was, he was really highly touted, uh, for, I mean, a guy pretty much raked in his entire minor league career and has just kind of stumbled in very limited duty, uh, in the majors. And so, I think that he has the highest ceiling of any of these guys. So, so that's definitely a, a plus, but it definitely leads to some questions like, where's he going to play? Cause uh, right now RC is playing short. I assume that that's where we're going to try to play Urias, but um, Keston here has a second base pretty much locked down. I would think, but you never know with Stearns. Yeah, absolutely. Um, now did it, bother you at all to have to give up Grisham in order to get Urias and also go ahead and comment on what your thoughts are on this the other part of the swap because they almost seem like two swaps in one but the pitcher for a pitcher uh, Zach Davies who has two years of arbitration control left for um, Eric Lauer who I believe has five years of control left team control left and is also a left-handed pitcher yeah I mean I, I think that the best player in this trade is Urias. And so I think, you know, obviously you got to give up something to get something. And uh, Davies, while he had a, a breakout year last year and looked amazing in the first half of the year, kind of fell back down to earth and uh, was just slightly above average by the end of the year. Trent Grisham um, never really was like the highly touted Brewers prospect, but he did a great job last year in the majors. So kind of, the exact opposite of what Urias is doing right now, I guess. But um, yeah, I think, and then as far as like 
Eric Lauer, like, I don't know. I mean, I, I just, I don't really have high hopes for him being like a fairly successful above average major leaguer, but you never know. I mean, I guess, like you said, we have five years of control of him to figure it out. Yeah. I agree with most of your takes on, on the trade, Scott. I was pretty excited uh, for the trade, and I think it was pretty much a consensus around baseball that the Brewers won this trade, uh, so to speak. And, of course, we'll never really know who wins the trade, depending on how these players perform in the future. But as far as his current value, I think that the Brewers did really well on selling high on Trent Grisham. I mean, just a year ago, last offseason, Trent Grisham had almost little to no value, even though he's a former first-round draft pick. He struggled with the first several years in the minor leagues and the lower levels. Uh, he finally made some adjustments uh, last offseason and it really paid off. And uh, he obviously has good play discipline, but the rest of his game is not anything particularly great. Um, he did add a little bit of power last year, but uh, I think San Diego really bought into his improvements last year and hopefully he does go on to be a solid major leaguer. But to me, he's always been kind of a, even with his breakout, still more of a fourth outfielder type Um or possibly even platoon as a left-hander, but um, I wasn't too sad to see him go. I think I was smart to sell high on him. Uh, and it's kind of doing the opposite, uh, buying low on Luis Urias. I mean, this is a guy who, obviously, he wasn't originally drafted, but signed out of Mexico um, as a young, very young player. Um, and many years in the minor leagues, he excelled. I mean, he um, was the MVP, I think, of the high, high A a few years back. And he also... Um, was an all-star double A and he led the league in on-base percentage. I mean, the kid also just can absolutely rake. He's hit over 300 at almost every level of the minor leagues. Uh, he does have somewhat limited power and speed, um, but he does have a great batting eye, just like Grisham. So he really, besides being able to hit, I think he also knows how to get on base. Uh, you know, so that's a huge asset as a middle infielder, I think. And, uh, where I say we're buying low, it's because even last year at Triple A, I think he had 19 homers, so he even started to show a little bit of power. But of course, with the juice ball at Triple A and everything, I could take those numbers with a grain of salt. I do believe he maybe has like 10 home run uh, power and 10 stolen base type production at the major league level. But I really feel that he's a, he could be a 300 hitter with a near 400 on base percentage uh, at his peak, and that's a pretty valuable middle infielder at the major league level. Uh, there's some risk, of course, and. He, he had a cup of coffee in 2018 and hit too well, but it was just a September call-up. And last year he got, I think, 230 at-bats or something like that. Um, and he, his numbers were actually pretty similar to Grisham's were at the major league level where he hit about 230-something um, with um, a pretty decent on-base percentage, uh, about 100 points higher than his batting average. So um, I don't know. I thought he showed, showed signs, and obviously there's some adjustments to be made to major league pitching. That's a pretty big jump from AAA to major league, as everyone knows. So I think he'll make those adjustments and really flourish as a brewer, especially going from a hitting environment at Petco Park in San Diego, which of course you and I have been, Scott. Um, great ballpark. Great um, park. But it's not it's not really conducive to hitters like Miller Park is. So I think that you know that's going to have a um, you know effect on um, his numbers going forward too. But where I like this trade the best is the fact that this is a position of need for the Brewers, middle infielder. I mean, Orlando Arcia was just uh, re-signed a one-year, $2.2 million contract by the Brewers, but I think that they feel that they're going to have to move on from him at some point this year, possibly the offseason, possibly before the end of the year. And I think they envision Luis Urias as a their future shortstop if, indeed, Kessinger is locked in at second base. So. 
Um, there's also some talk with Kevin Hira's troubles at second base defensively that he could get moved, so that gives him even more um, depth, um, you know, in the middle infield. So I really like that part of the trade. Um, I, I, what are your overall thoughts on, on, on some of that, Scott? Well, um, I definitely agree that uh, we're selling high on Davies and Grisham and that we're buying very low on Urias. But um, I guess there's two ways to look at it. Like, if you just look at it in a vacuum, like, who got the most value? I would say most people would agree that it's definitely the Brewers. I mean, that's just – yeah, that's the way it looks right now just because uh, we have a lot of young talent there. And I guess the other way to look at it really, though, is kind of like you said, I mean – for the Brewers, this was – I wouldn't say these are giving up areas where we have, like, uh, like just an overflow or overwhelming amount of talent. Um, I mean, who knows? I mean, we definitely need – we probably need, like, three starting pitchers right now at, this, at the time of this taping anyway. So um, not exactly an area of a, a ton of talent. But um, for the Padres, kind of the same thing. Like, they kind of had uh, their middle infield. They had that pretty much figured out. And uh, Davies is going to do a – he's definitely probably a better fit. I guess most pitchers are, but um, a better fit at Petco. So I think he will be successful anyway. Um, But, yeah, overall, it's just – it's a good trade. It doesn't necessarily fill a lot of the the holes and the needs that we have, but it's a good start to this offseason. Yeah, and I was a little sad to actually lose Zach Davies just because I have a soft spot for him um, being uh, kind of a undersized, not only short, but, you know, kind of short and small in stature type of guy out there on the mound where, you know, your typical pitcher that's good drafted is like 6'5", 230, and has like a 100-mile-an-hour fastball or whatever. Uh, Davies is kind of the opposite of that. So, um, and he had success with it, and I think he proved a lot of his doubters wrong throughout his minor league career, and you know, he came over to the Brewers and was a member of the rotation for a number of years and helped a couple of playoff teams. And, yeah, I mean, kind of had to see it like that go. But kind of where the Padres were at and why they were interested in probably acquiring them is because of the fact that, um, you know, they have a whole glut of pitchers that just came up from the AAA uh, level, some of them with very uh, levels of success. You know, like Chris Paddock was a Rookie of the Year candidate last year for them. And they also – few other guys coming up from the minor leagues in the next um, year. So, um, you know, I think that, that they wanted a veteran to add to the rotation. I think that they're wanting to compete. Obviously, they signed May Machado last off season and Eric Cosmore a couple seasons ago. And so I really feel like that they're going from having a great farm and transitioning that into a contending team. And I think that they more so needed a veteran, even though he has less control than they needed another just kind of number five-ish type starter with team control. And so I think that just the Brewers on the opposite end of that, I think, you know, they moved on from Chase Anderson. Now they've moved on from Davis, these mediocre veterans that are, um, you know, fourth or fifth type starters. I think why not take a chance on a younger guy with more team control, give him a little bit of time to see if he can figure it out um, and become something. And the Brewers are also adept at if they're failing the rotation to possibly make something out of them on a bullpen is they very much value their bullpen more than a lot of other major league baseball teams. So with all that being said, I think I really like that move of just, you know, I would have done that deal possibly straight up Davies for Lauer 
even though I will admit that, you know, uh, the Padres, it makes more sense with Padres at this time. So overall, though, I think it's fairly even trade, but definitely I think I'm more excited for the Brewers. Than that. And I don't think that's just looking through rose-colored glasses of the Brewer fan either. I think really the Brewers, there's a consensus that they're, they're going to end up having the better end of this deal in the long run. Yeah, time will tell, so, but yeah, definitely, uh, definitely. I, I mean, I hope it's not obviously the the first or the last trade, I guess, that we're going to end up pulling off. But um, I, I don't know that there's a lot of trade chips that the Brewers have, and if we do have them, I don't necessarily want to part with them. I mean, when you think about trade chips, I mean, as far as like surplus value for what they're getting paid. Keston here and Josh Hader are probably at the top of that list, and I don't necessarily want to part with either of them. Although it was rumored today that uh, that we're listening to talks now uh, to see if what people are going to offer up for Josh Hader. I don't think he's going anywhere. I just think it's something we threw out there. Yeah, that's an interesting take, Scott, and 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 that's that was definitely something shocking you saw today as you as you read and. Whoa, Josh Hader is being made available, I think, is what has been reported by Ken Rosenthal. And um, that's kind of shocking. But my take on it is he's probably not going there at the time. If, if someone comes and blows blows the furs uh, away with an awesome offer, I could definitely see something happening. But um, I, I really think it's just gauging the market because I think by doing so, you kind of get, you know, once you get some offers coming in, You'll know what teams are to say. You know what what type of players are willing to offer, and the Brewers, um, you know, God forbid, uh, aren't contending come the middle of July. They can return to these teams that are in contention and that you know reached out to you during the last offseason and return to them and be like, okay, well, are you still interested in Josh Hader? We'll make him available, but now we want more, or we want those same players you offered before, and so kind of just gauge the market for them um, you yeah. know, in advance. I think that's kind of all that they were doing, but of course. Being a small market team, it kind of reminds me of the A's type move where as soon as these – obviously it was already reported that Josh Hader will be arbitration eligible for the first time this year, which is basically the first time he'll be making some real money. And we're only talking about like 4 to $5 million here in his first year of arbitration, but he will get increasingly expensive each year um, for the next four years of control. And so this is usually a time when the Oakland A's um, trade a player when he's going to like the second or third year of arbitration. Um, possibly even before their first year and uh, swap them off for players with further out, uh, you know, team control. And it really allows them to keep a, a low payroll while still having talent in their system. So it wasn't surprising that the Brewers, you know, follow a similar um, path, I guess. But um, I'm hoping it's more of a hybrid of that where we can still add some really necessary veterans um, to the playoff type team, but also, you know, trade players when it makes sense. And I think there is some fear probably in the organization that if Hader were to have any type of, you know, down season or even worse, like an injury or something like that, especially a season ending one, having Josh Hader and not getting any value in return for him would be really detrimental to a small market team like the Brewers. So I think at some point they'll have to cash in on him. Obviously, you want to maybe be with those last year of control or something like that, which would be three years from now. But uh, you never know how he's going to perform over the next couple of years either, or you know, like they could just stay healthy. So I think you always have to keep your options open as someone comes in and really wants them to kind of be that final piece to make the World Series or whatnot. And Josh Hader's answer that, say like the Dodgers, they come with an offer that you can't resist. You might have to take it. That's just the reality of being a small market team in today's baseball. 
Yeah, it's definitely a hard truth, but what are you going to do? I mean, it's one of those things. I mean, you look at like how bad the Padres have been almost historically, and you just think like, I mean, it's not obviously the biggest market in the world, but like, how do you not attract more free agents to build a great team in San Diego? You have a team like Milwaukee where, I mean, nothing against um, Milwaukeeans and, and whatnot, but um, it's not exactly like the number one place that people are looking to settle down and hang out, especially if you're you know, a major league baseball what? player. Yeah, I know. It's, well, I did, I did some, know some people said, um, but then again, I mean, you know, I mean, where is the number one? spot if you're like a younger guy like that probably Miami (laughs) so I mean they're losing 100 games a year too so who knows but yeah um I guess we should probably get into uh, speaking of like players that have left Milwaukee I guess that's where I was kind of going with that I was trying to do a clever segue uh kind (laughs) of drop the ball a little now the non-tender list no no I was going to go to the free agent list first as far as people that have walked away so far from Milwaukee. Oh, okay, yeah. And then maybe we'll go into non-tender, if that's cool. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Good segue, Scott. Uh, so we already talked about how we lost Grandal to uh, the White Sox for, I don't know, an awful lot of money. I can't remember how much off the top of my head, but it was significantly more dollars and years than the Brewers were probably willing to commit to him. Um, and then, um, let's see, who else have we lost recently? Drew Pomerantz, four-year deal with the Padres. Yeah. Yeah, they paid um, a ton, too. Oh, yeah, that's where I was going with that. Yeah, San Diego versus Milwaukee. Okay, yeah. Um, yeah, so that was rough. And then um, we just lost um, Moustakas, too. That's And that one we lose within the division, too, which is, um, I guess, double upsetting. Yeah, Mike Lusakis, who last two off-seasons was a free agent, uh, had to sign one-year deals with the Royals and then the the Brewers, respectively, in the last two seasons, and uh, after being a free agent. And uh, now he landed a four-year, $64 million um, contract with um, the Cincinnati Reds, which was shocking. And they plan on playing on the second base, which I thought was pretty surprising. So the Brewers kind of showcased them for the division rivals to uh, sign them. And also, uh, to the light of both Musakis, of course, now, and his agent, Scott Boris, they finally cashed in on his great season with the Brewers last year. And, wow, unbelievable contract he got. And I heard someone online comment something about that uh, the Boris Musakis situation from the last couple of years was like uh, Boris kept following, like had an 11-pitch at bat, and he finished off with hitting a, a – triple through the gap or something like that. So um, anyway, un- unbelievable contract. You can get it. Uh, but I'm happy for Moustakis. He was a kind of fan favorite of mine and a lot of Brewer fans. Uh, everyone who doesn't love yelling moose toward the field. And uh, yes, he um, going to be sad to see him go, uh, but uh, he's gone. And so the Brewers this offseason have lost more talent to the free agent pool than any other team so far and by far. Uh, so it's a little bit alarming. It means we're going to be coming back on some payroll a little bit, most likely, or have some opened up to maybe sign some upcoming free agents. But with that being said, uh, we didn't necessarily decide to tender contracts to very many players that uh, were arbitration eligible either. Yeah, no, that is very true. Um, we are um, 
apparently we are judging talent and saying that if you're not worth what you what you're uh um what arbitration say that you're yeah, yeah. yeah whatever your rb number is like you're just not going to get paid like simple as that because we really we really cut a lot of people loose this is kind of crazy yeah and so that list of course included travis shaw who had a horrific season last year he was non-tender it also included, um, very surprisingly, Alex Claudio. And also, uh, even more surprising to me and shocking, Jimmy Nelson. Also included Tyler Salandino and uh, Junior Guerra, which we kind of knew about ahead of time. Uh, not shocked by those last two, obviously. But the first uh, three, especially Nelson, are shocking to me. What's your overall take on this, uh, Scott, when you heard the news today? Five people non-tendered. I just thought that was crazy. Like, I can't remember the last time any team has non-tendered that many people, I guess. But um, We were the only team that non-tendered that many this year. Yeah, absolutely crazy. And I guess, I mean, so what you have to do when, when you're doing this, right, is you have to say, um, if, if this guy is performing at, at what he did last year and, he, and you think he's going to perform right around there, is he worth the amount of money that was his projected salary? And if he's not, then you just say no. So I, apparently that's what we're doing. But um, so looking at it, Junior Guerra was supposed to make about three and a half million. Um, Jimmy Nelson, about 3.7. Tyler Saladino, about a million bucks. Travis Shaw, about 4.7 million. And... Alex Claudio, about 2.2. Claudio is actually the most shocking of all of them, um, not only because I didn't think he had that bad of a year last year, but also because how much we gave up to get him originally in the first place. Yeah, and we did give up a supplemental first-round pick, a number 39 overall pick from um, – uh, a couple drafts ago and or, I mean, sorry, last season's draft. And uh, yeah, I mean, we got one season on Claudia, fairly mediocre production. I think he did make like 83 appearances or something like that. So it's not like we didn't use them, but um, I don't know. I, I, I guess I'll give Stearns credit because he is someone who will kind of move on from a mistake that he maybe made and not, uh, you know, looking the ego getting away. Most other GMs might be like, well, this was my guy last year. I'm going to stick with him and we'll offer him our contract. And, you know, hopefully he comes through the way I thought he would this year. And, you know, so most GMs would do that. So I think he's just being smart about it. Um, also really just keeping his options open. And, and also one thing to keep in mind for Brewer fans is that it's very possible that one or two of these guys, of these five guys could still come back to the Brewers. Uh, it would just be that other teams could bid on them at this point. Obviously, uh, the Brewers also could, uh, you know, it's just like, but they're not, they weren't willing to pay what they would have won in arbitration. And so, um, yeah, you added up all those salaries. That comes to about $14, $15 million for those five guys, Scott. So I think it, my, my guess is we're going to bring one or, one or maybe even two of those guys back. I'm hoping kind of Nelson just because of how, unsettled our rotation is at this current uh, time, I guess I'd say. And, and just, you know, the way that Nelson went out with injury and unfortunate time after his breakout season, you just want to see him kind of have success as a brewer again. Um, 
but uh, and not within our team. <laughs> so um, I, I don't think his career is anywhere near over or anything like that. And so that's why I really hope the Brewers find a way to find a number that matches uh, Nelson and they can bring him back maybe for like two two million or so this year. But we'll see because you know if other teams are interested, they can jump in and offer more. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, and when you think about it, I mean, fifteen million, you could have. Uh, I mean, that's as much as we used to like sign Mustakas last year, and then. I guess, you know, and, and still have $5 million to spare. So um, th- that's definitely part of it. I mean, I hate to say it, but a lot of these guys were, based on what they did last year, quite replaceable. Um, so, you know, it, it is what it is. Uh, the only other thing that I guess is w- when you mentioned that people, um, like, like, for example, Jimmy Nelson uh, hopefully could come back, um, maybe even give, like um, – you could maybe even sign these guys, yeah, for less. Um, but what winds up typically happening, and not always, but typically, um, first of all, the agent is going to go with whoever is going to pay you the most money. That typically makes sense. But then also, uh, there is a level of, uh, I guess, animosity or just feeling like kind of jaded when you are not tendered because you basically feel like the team is saying that they don't want you. That's not really the case. It's just that they don't want you for $4.7 million or whatever it happens to be. So, um, yeah, hopefully hopefully we'll be able to bring a couple of these guys back at a, a slightly reduced rate. But I, I can't necessarily argue with, um, with non-tendering any of them. If there was one that you were going to keep at the numbers that we would say or that we – kind of just tossed out there which one would you really want kept but it has to be at the money like who would you have tendered i guess if you had to tender one of these five i would say jimmy nelson just because i believe he could come back and be if he shows any bit of health he could be like a number three type starter and um it he would totally recoup his value going forward then um so Three point whatever million he was projected, I thought was enough of a gamble for sure. What 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 would be your uh, take on that same question, Scott? Your answer to that same question. Um, I know it sounds crazy, but I think Alex Claudio has a little bit more value to the Brewers than to other teams because the guy's just got a rubber arm, and he could just give you an inning or two, seemingly just about every day. So that is definitely something that's. Um, pretty valuable, I think, especially when you consider um, that the Brewers tend to go to their bullpen in like the fifth, sixth inning almost almost all the time. So with that being said, I mean, he's only projected to get $2.2 million. Uh, We're not breaking the bank with him. Like, I, I think that he still was had some value there. I wonder if baseball's new rules that are going to be starting in 2020 um, were uh, – relievers that start the innings that have to pitch at least to, to two batters factored in because Claudio did have a lot of outings where he only faced one or two batters, kind of like a, a Lugia or the, whatever the right-handed version of that is. Um, and so maybe that factored into, you know, decreasing the value a little bit too. So it, maybe it's not all his fault. It's kind of just like that rule change in maybe like baseball. The Brewers maybe foresaw that they'd have to use them less going forward and therefore it wouldn't be as valuable yeah that definitely could have been part of it I mean I I guess I was just thinking like to have a guy like that that uh, I mean because yeah he can only give you like you know a batter or two but 
he seemed to be able to also be able to go out and give you an inning um, if need be. Uh, it, it's just that when we had times like that uh, where we kept him out there, uh, they weren't his more successful outings, I guess. And so um, that probably had a lot to do with it. But, I mean, you're looking at a team right now that's still – I mean, still as of this broadcast, they have holes at third, first, starting pitching, relieving, catcher. I mean – it, it's kind of ridiculous. So um, we have massive holes all over the roster, Scott, which makes us not protecting like some for the Rule Five draft. Someone like Zach Brown a little bit more surprising now because we have so many forty-man spots open. But with that being said, I don't know if they knew. But I guess the reports are the Birds were trying to tender um, Travis uh, Shaw a contract even uh, today, but they couldn't agree on one. Or I mean, uh, so. Um, you know, they had to end up non him, but they weren't willing to risk it going to arbitration. So, um, now last podcast, I did mention there was a player on another team, the Diamondbacks, I was hoping got non-tendered and they could, you know, be on the Brewers radar. That was Jake Lamb, a very similar player to Travis Shaw. Um, now I think that's kind of telling that the, um, Diamondbacks, how they view the value of Jake Lamb as opposed to how the Brewers value Travis Shaw after a season last year. It's because um, the Steinbacks offered him a contract and Shaw didn't get offered a contract. And, and if you look at the team's needs, area of need, I mean, the Brewers have no one at first and third as they speak. So they definitely had a huge need there. And the Steinbacks are out of there that where they're, they've got Eduardo Escobar locked in at third and uh, breakout uh, player Christian Walker from last year locked in at first. They really have nowhere to even play Lamb, and they still offer him a contract to platoon, most likely at first base and third base. So, I mean, that really tells you how much other teams probably won't be coming clamoring after Shaw necessarily. Um, so the Brewers maybe have a shot at re-signing him at a reasonable rate, but uh, you know they also could very well lose him. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, it, it'll uh, definitely be interesting. I guess we'll see how it how it all works out. But, yeah, I mean, I, I'm still just trying to get over, like, five guys of our 40. Like, nope, sorry. It's unbelievable. I mean, and this is a team that made the playoffs last year. I mean, I could see this as a team. This is the type of thing that a team should do when, you know, they did not – meet expectations like I'm sorry but this is something the Cubs should probably be doing <laughs> I don't think they had the same uh, players eligible for arbitration or so but I mean overall I mean it just seems shocking as a team that kind of in my opinion you know overachieved a little bit without uh, you know after Knable went down and especially after Yelich went down they still ended up making the playoffs in September and then the Brewers are kind of so you know so much you know cleaning house so to speak and some of this is involuntary cleaning house when you talk about Three huge key members of that playoff team last year were Grandal, Mustakis, and Pomeranz. I mean, I would have to argue that there were probably three of the five most key players on the Brewers to make the playoffs, and they're all gone now. Um, and so that's alarming to me. I, it's hard for me to, you know, we'll see what happens. It's going to be exciting offseason. I feel like there's so many moves that are going to be made, but I really feel that. Uh, Turns out have taken chance on guys that weren't great performers last year. But there's some speculation with how much payroll the Brewers have cleared that maybe they will go after a top end guy and maybe even be competitive, make competitive offers to guys like Anthony Rondon. I don't know if that's in the cards, but 
maybe if nothing else that comes out of all this payroll clearing is maybe an extension to Christian Yellers. That would be an awesome news and welcome one for sure. Yeah, definitely. I uh, would, I think everybody in Milwaukee would be excited to hear something like that. But yeah, like you said, I think we're almost like 60 million in payroll less than we were um, last year, just from um, uh, unfortunately losing a lot of people to free agency. But um, you know, I guess um, some other, well, here, I, before we wrap this up, uh, we can at least look at uh, some of the other notables who were non-tendered, um, just to kind of throw those names out and see uh, either we'll bring them up just because it's notable, it's kind of shocking that they got non-tendered, or it's a household name, or maybe it's somebody that's on the Brewers' radar that we can um, uh, maybe take a look at. Yeah. Well, you probably have a list there, Scott, but from the starting pitching end of it, I'll, I'll throw out three names of, that, of guys that did get non-tendered uh, that would be available that were former um, high upside players that have kind of taken a downturn in the career, but I think are still young enough to turn around and provide some really nice value. And that is Aaron Sanchez, uh, formerly of the Astros, Blue Jays and Astros here recently. And then, um, of course, Taiwan Walker from the Diamondbacks coming back from injury. They had to non-tender him. And then uh, Kevin Gaussman from the uh, formerly Orioles. And then, of course, they had the Braves last year. Um, I think I would, you know, he really would fit in, you know, either that or a guy like Jimmy, our own Jimmy Nelson. Out of those four guys who had shown some success in the past, still fairly young, the Burns, I feel, really could, you know, you would take a chance on a couple of guys like that to plug in the back of rotation or anywhere in rotation for that matter um, and try to make a go of it going forward. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. Um, I mean, I hate to say it, but I don't really have like a great list. I kind of just have like a thread where people are just kind of throwing names in and as it, as it happened. And so um, there's not like a great list or anything like that. Like, uh, well, you'll probably think this is terrible, but um, I thought, Jesse Hahn showed some potential as potentially being like a good pitcher at one point. He was non-tendered, but that's, I wouldn't say that's exactly notable. Uh, former Brewer Domingo Santana, after um, his uh, 253 uh, average 21 home run campaign, uh, he was non-tendered by the Seattle Mariners. That's kind of interesting, not Brewers interesting, I don't think. Well, I think that's another uh, not to put on Stern's belt, so to speak. I mean, because he traded him for Ben Gamble, and I think a lot of Brewer fans were upset at the time that we didn't get enough value for Santana. Well, Gamble was a huge member for our, our team last year, a contributor, and he's still on the Brewers going forward, and now Santana's a free agent. So. Yeah, uh, the Cubs finally parted ways with Addison Russell, which would have been a really noble move if they would have done it about a year ago. Yeah. Um, Kevin Pilar, I was kind of surprised. Um, but I think it has more to do with the fact that um, he was going to get almost $10 million. So the yeah. Giants got rid of him. Again, I don't think there's really any, like, need for the Brewers to, to look or anything like that with that. But um, just some notable names out there. I think that's just about all I have, though, That from what I see here. Um, yeah. I will have to say, going 
through the rest of the offseason, the number one position on the Brewers that's, that worries me the most that we won't be able to add a quality player and then probably be catcher because uh, unless we – well, first of all, there's just not that many out there to begin with, but uh, uh, through the current free agent list and even the non-tender list of catchers, it's pretty uninspiring, so to speak. And, uh, you know, to go to from Gr- losing Grandel and whoever we're going to replace him with, uh, if it's going to be a free agent, it's going to be – kind of underwhelming i'll just put it that way <laughs> yeah it seems like the only way we'll be able to obtain anybody like that would be kind of via trade but yeah no i completely agree with you it seems like it's going to be impossible to get the kind of production that we got from grandal even if there was some kind of like crazy platoon like bj surhoff bill schroeder probably the best catching platoon the brewers have ever had <laughs> um <laughs> But, um, no, I mean, there's no way to do that. So, unfortunately, I mean, that just means we're going to have to get that value somewhere else. And hopefully it's at first or third, but there too. I mean, are you really going to be able to find a way to replace what Moustakis did for us last year at third? Pretty tall order. Um, First base, now, if you were talking about Aguirre and Thames from two years ago, that would be really tough. But, like, last year – I think we can find some people that can um, that are going to be able to do that, and then some. So we're going to hopefully gain a couple wins by uh, by getting some better talent at first. But uh, we'll see what happens. And actually, you know, you brought this up, and I forgot to circle back to it. Do you think that there is any chance that the Brewers say, "Fine, RC is at short, Urias at second, and Kesson here is going to play first? Uh is it possible? I think if indeed their plan is to play all three of them in the starting lineup, I'd almost be more likely. I think we'd see Urias at third base. He's know he has a lot of experience there. He can definitely handle that. Um, RC is still a short. Hero is still at uh, second. But uh, I mean. I, I just think that you should leave here at second base. I mean, his second, even though he's got some shortcomings, he's still young enough to turn that around a little bit. And uh, his bat really plays well at second base as opposed to he's a first baseman. I mean, I mean, yeah, basically to play anywhere, but um, I, I'd rather get some other offense at the, at the corner infield spots, um, especially first base from, you know, free to market. And it would not shock me. I just have this gut feeling the Brewers are going to, be bringing back as part of uh, first or third base um, platoon or whatever. Uh, I have a feeling they're going to be bringing back either Thames or Shaw on a cheaper contract. I don't know which one will be, but I just have a feeling that those, you know, not a lot of other teams are going to probably offer those guys under 40-man roster spots uh, at, at a salary they're looking for most likely, but we'll see. So I'm hoping that one of those guys comes back to the Brewers, but we'll see. Yeah, definitely possible. And and actually, when you think about it, when well, I was actually thinking that when we made this uh, this trade, I actually thought that there was a very legitimate chance that Arcia had basically uh, had his last day in a Brewer uniform. But uh, they did decide to tender him, and I'm a little surprised that they tendered him over some of the people that we non-tendered. But um, you know, like like you don't want to do. I mean. RC is two years removed from having a, a really great campaign. And so 
you know, maybe it's just one of those where we, we weren't willing to sell low on him. Yeah. Oh, and just also, they didn't just offer uh, Orlando RC a contract. He actually, they actually agreed on a contract. So he's coming back to the Brewers at 2.2 million. That doesn't necessarily mean he'll never he'll play another pitch with the Brewers. I mean, he could be traded or something, but uh, they've actually agreed to the contract. So there won't be an arbitration process for him or anything like that. They've actually agreed to terms already. So, and that's what they were trying to do with Shaw today. And they, since they didn't get it done, they didn't want to risk it because, you know, they can't afford to, you know, go into arbitration and lose to Shaw, right? At least they don't want to. So um, I think that they're still maybe going to work out. I mean, in the next couple of days, you could, you know, agree to something. But I think by opening up to all their teams, his agent and him would be stupid and not see what else is out there if the Brewers, you know, that they can't beat the Brewers. Because that's what it basically just comes down to all the money. I mean, when you're going to look for a job offer, you're going to take the most money no matter where it is, unless you really, really love Milwaukee, which. Uh, we all do, but yeah. Talk, so. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I forget what it was like 2.2, 2.3 that they, um, that they agreed to him with. But um, yeah, I mean, if, if he doesn't come to that agreement, maybe he's the sixth person that may not intend her. I mean, it's a crazy world we live in, I guess, you know? <laughs> yeah. Never know. But uh, yeah, no, so I don't know. The roster is very fluid. There's some, uh, anxiety with that, but there's also some excitement going into hospital season. Uh, I think the Brewers might even try to make a splash with a pretty pretty key free agent. I, I think there's going to be at least one really big signing the Brewers do. I don't know where it'll be, but um, we'll see. Um, my guess is that we're going to go with keeper out on a catcher in the corner and field and maybe make a splash with a starting pitcher, but uh, we shall see. Well, it's very possible that we are going to, uh, depending on what happens anyway, but um, I'm not sure if we'll do a taping right away next week. It probably depends on what shakes down. I know the uh, baseball winter meetings are the 8th through the 12th, so we might have to wait until the 12th to, or the 13th to give you a taping. But if something happens sooner, uh, we'll probably break in with like a quick podcast then just to kind of break it down. But um, hopefully it's a very, very busy next uh, 10 days for the Brewers. Absolutely. Should be exciting. Looking forward to it. All right. You want to wrap this one up? All right. Stay classy, Wisconsin. And go Brewers. Stay classy. Go Brewers. Dun, 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 dun.